0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Audio Venture. I'm your host, Will Brinson, joining you on this Thursday, July 26th. It is a funny story. It's actually Thursday, July 26th. As I record this, we promise that we are going to bring you the news every single day and that I'm going to my boss has told me, stay up late enough or if something happens, you can record it and it will be there for the people to consume the following morning. So... Coming up, we have Dave Richard of CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Dave's the best. He knows fantasy uh, better as well as anyone in the business. Um, but we talked about Julio Jones, and then as it turns out, the freaking Falcons decide to announce at 11.55 p.m. on Wednesday, July 25th, that Julio Jones is coming to training camp. How exciting. Here's the statement from GM Thomas Dimitrov about Julio Jones reporting to Atlanta Falcons training camp. We have had, quote, we have had continued dialogue all offseason with Julio and his representation. We have come to an agreement with Julio, and we will readdress everything in 2019. I appreciate everyone's hard work and communication on this. This adjustment does not impede us from working on other extensions with other key members of our football team. We will continue to work on those contracts going forward. Here's the gist of it very quickly, and then we'll get to Dave. Um, the Falcons figured out a way to give Julio more money right now, basically move money around, I don't know, change some incentives to guaranteed money, wh- whatever it is, make Julio happy, get him into camp, and then just as Jason Lock and Lockerford pointed out previously, uh... After 2018, they're going to talk with him and they're going to try and hammer out a new deal when he's got two years left on his contract or reward him, give him an extension, figure out something, make him a highly paid wide receiver. This shouldn't be that surprising. And Jason Lockeford tweeted this. We, we all knew that the, the Falcons were going to figure out a way to get Julio Jones in. Um, later on in the show we're gonna have fun at, at, with the Julio stuff talking about an Earl Thomas pot, potential trade. It's, it's interesting that David bring it up. Um, and, and then we also discuss Julio Jones uh, value. So just keep it in mind that we recorded that before the Falcons decided to drop this news. but with that in mind, let's go to talk talk to Dave Richard, fantasy uh, fantasy football extraordinaire and star of CBS Sports HQ. And if you're wondering what CBS Sports HQ is, it's a live streaming video service with up-to-the-minute news, highlights, analysis, fantasy advice, gambling advice. Frankly, it's the perfect recipe of sports. Watch it, and you'll be a smarter sports fan. That's the goal. It's no nonsense. Just make you smarter as a sports fan. If you want to watch, go to any connected device. It's absolutely free. Phone, computer, Roku, Apple, you name it. CBS Sports HQ is likely on it. I'm on it. Dave Richard's on it. Never miss, miss a big moment. Always know the smart angle on sports. Check out CBS Sports HQ. And check out Dave Richard on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Dave, what's up, man? Well, that
1: was a hell of an introduction. <laughs> I thought I was going to get something like, eh, here's Dave Richard. He, he does a couple of podcasts for CBS, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you really put the pressure on me here. I I better deliver. Um, and And I love the Pick 6 podcast. I'm really glad to be back on. I'm glad you asked me. Let's talk fantasy. Let's talk NFL. Let's give the people what they want.
0: Let's do it. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out too that, like, for many, we haven't done it in several years. But for a year, for a couple of years in a row, we had a Thursday night football video show that we did. That was one of the most fun things I, I, that I've ever done professionally. Um, and also, you filled in as a host of the Pick 6 podcast and did a better job than I did, which was not one of the most things I've ever done professionally. But um I, I got to hang out in, in the Caribbean. so
1: I I did better than you. Who's that according to?
0: Me. Um, but I'm, yeah. but you know. Right. You, if you it was according to that.
1: our bosses, then I'd be the one saying, welcome in my guest at this time,
0: the <laughs> former host of
1: the Pick 6 podcast, and my friend, a guy I love talking to, Will Brinson. <laughs> Another thing that you and I like to do is – do mock trade negotiations. We do like doing that. We'll do it over G chat every once in a while where I'll pretend to be a GM. You pretend to be a GM and we, we make trade offers to each other.
0: We're going to usually
1: we come out with pretty
0: fair deals. We're, we're definitely going to do a podcast version of that or HQ version of that, um, leading up to the NFL trade deadline or throughout the season, but let's dive in.
1: We should do one for Earl Thomas in Seattle.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Who are you the Seahawks or am I the Seahawks?
1: Why don't we talk about that a little bit later on? Okay. What we, could what could the Seahawks get for Earl Thomas? There's an NFC team that would be a perfect fit for them. And they do have best. something to trade. <laughs>
0: All right, yeah, let's dive into the news first. The Browns say that they might be interested, and I believe uh GM John Dorsey said this as much during his uh you know during his press conference to open up training camp. By the way, Hugh Jackson showed up in like a white Browns hat and a white brown sweatshirt just like John Dorsey wears. It, that's weird, right? Isn't? I, I feel like that's weird, even if it's, um, like even if it's just Hugh kissing kissing butt to to his boss, it feels a little weird. But Dorsey said that uh, that they are they could be interested in Des Bryant, and maybe more importantly is is the what he said about Josh Gordon. In his opening statements, he said, we have made a classification that we are going to put Josh Gordon on the NFI. That's the non-football injury list. We all knew that. But then he added, on that, we have designated that he is a did-not-report player. That just helps me within the system, working within the system. Going with that, I am going to respect his privacy. Like I said, I am going to respect the privacy of Josh while he is away from the team because I think that his overall health and his well-being is what is really important here right now. I get that football is secondary. Our focus should be on the entire football team in the 2018 season. And answering questions about it, Dave, as you pointed out, he didn't make it sound like Josh Gordon is going to be back immediately.
1: He's towing some kind of line. The yeah. Browns are. There's something. Obviously, there's something going on that... Is, if we knew what it was, it would make this entire situation make sense. Did he fail a drug test and the NFL is going to look the other way? Was he late for a drug test and the NFL is going to look the other way? Is he really going back? If he's going back to get extra counseling, why did he decide now? What is it that triggered this reaction in Josh Gordon? There, there's a huge piece of this puzzle. We just don't know. I... I The thing that troubled me about and and this press conference, this press conference was incredible for a number of reasons, including the outfits that you talked about. (laughs) John Dorsey was asked to clarify the word soon. How soon until Josh Gordon is back? And he he said soon could mean many things. Soon could mean a month. Soon could mean three days. It is soon. It could be 10 days. It could be 20 days. It could be 30 days. I well, mean what in the blue hell is going on yeah. and why can't they pin down when Josh Gordon is going to be back? This is it, that tells me that they don't know when Josh Gordon is going to be back.
0: You're right. And look, here's the reality is that the Browns so if it just doing a quick date calculator, today is July 26th. Um they did this press conference on July 25th. If it was 30 days, that means that Josh Gordon would be back in time, maybe, for the fourth preseason game of the Brown, against the Lions, of the, the Browns preseason. And if he comes back in the fourth preseason game, I mean, that's, this is not a, a situation where he's just rolling in and starting to play. I mean, to me, this has to have been something where, at this point, having heard all this from Dorsey, and having seen these quotes, it's something happened. You know, this was not a case of just, Josh Gordon is having some anxiety. Something had to have happened, I think, uh, in order to trigger this departure that could be for 10, 20 or 30 days. Um, you know, look, th- the reality is, is that people beginning pretty soon are going to start. First of all, it's good. First of all. As, we've said on this podcast this week, most importantly is that, that Josh Gordon gets well. And that, that, look, that, I mean, that, that is the number one priority. And I hope that he, um, can get to a good mental place and a good physical place and all of that. But, but the Browns are depending on him. He's going, he's supposed to be the, the focal point of their offense from the passing game. And this really triggers a trickle down effect on the Browns passing game in terms of making Jarvis Landry more important, making Corey Coleman and Antonio Callaway more important, making David Njoku more important. And I wonder, Um, what you think, Dave, from a fantasy perspective, because Josh Gordon was going in the third round as a wide receiver one as recently as last week.
1: Round three, round four, as recently as, when was it? Tuesday. I was in an industry mock draft on Tuesday with all the great fantasy writers. And and believe it or not, there's a lot of great fantasy writers. I know it sounds crazy to you, Will. But a lot of people covering fantasy football and a lot of smart I, people doing it. I saw the it. list.
0: It was a, it was a it was a who's who like Evan Silver of Rotoworld, um, and and other people. I, I can't remember. And all, of course, all the CBS experts.
1: Sure. And I took Josh Gordon in early round four, and I felt good about it. And then you you see this press conference on Wednesday, and you, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him there again. Like not until there's more clarification. I I think that there is a chance that Josh could be gone a little bit longer than 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 what they're kind of saying. And I think eventually he'll be back with the team and eventually he'll be playing because the Browns have said as much. And I would take them at their word on that. They just don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe it's something that's out of their hands. Maybe there is just it, it could be anxiety. He was getting close to reporting to training camp and he said, "You know what? There's a lot of pressure here." Mm-hmm. This is, this is when I might go and, you know, call someone to bring me something that I really shouldn't have. Maybe I need to be proactive on top of it. Maybe that's the situation. And if that is the situation, you've got to applaud Josh Gordon for it. And at the same time, you've got to wonder, well, how long until you're in a place mentally where you're ready to get back there? And it's a situation that that type of thing where, where you've got a mental problem. Is kind of frowned upon in the world of professional football where toughness is is really like it's a requirement of the job. And everybody who's in charge of teams, they want every single player they have to be mentally tough and ready to go. And and maybe just maybe is it possible that Josh just isn't quite there yet when he is back there. The Browns will be happy to welcome him back and hopefully he'll have enough time to get ready for the season.
0: No, that's a great point. And I I noted this yesterday with Pete. um Or with, with Lock and Four, excuse me, you almost wonder, and you sort of, I think you alluded to it, but you almost wonder, is it possible that either the location of training camp or the time of year of training camp or even just the game of football itself is a trigger for him? You know what I mean? Like, like, and he, and he sees that coming down the, down the pipe and says, I gotta get out of here. Maybe, but, you know, he wasn't mandatory mini, mini camp and he, he's looked great and he's talking about the Browns are the best wide receiver group in the NFL. It, it's all very disturbing. I mean, I would say from, I've had, and we're going to talk about five guys that we like, five guys that we don't. Um, I, I had Gordon sort of on my don't list only because of the volatility of, of what he brings. You know, he can win you a league if, if he plays as well as he does. I don't know that I could take him in a, in a draft. If you're drafting in the next two weeks and there's not going to be any clarity for two weeks and we'll, we'll certainly hear more questions asked. I don't know that I could take him any earlier than maybe the eighth round. Me personally, would you, could you go earlier than that without knowing when he's back?
1: I might be able to go a round or two earlier than that. Okay. I, I could. Um, there's one other thing. I floated this idea to someone who I know who works for the Browns and he, he shot it down, but what if, what if hard knocks? is what is making Josh Gordon mm. nervous that they want to get this inside look at his life and where he's at right now. And maybe he just doesn't want to share that. Maybe he doesn't want his every move captured on camera and maybe he's reacted to that. But I was told that that wasn't a thing. Maybe I was lied to. I don't know, <laughs> but, That's a good but, theory. but I'll tell you the, the one thing that would really send the fire alarms off and, and make me, Head to the hills on drafting Josh Gordon in fantasy, or making me even believe that Josh Gordon's going to play this year is if the Browns sign Des Bryant. Yeah, if that happens, then you kind of know, okay, they needed a body to come in and and a big body at that to help support this offense and give them something that Josh was going to do. I think that's an obvious telltale sign if they go and they get Des Bryant. Do
0: you would so? From a football perspective, would you like the signing of Des in Cleveland? I wouldn't hate it in that I still think even with Jarvis Landry and Njoku and Josh Gordon there, they still need some capable pass catchers because Corey Coleman hadn't shown us a whole lot, although I mean it's still early in his career. This is his third year. And and, you know, you don't know what you're gonna get from Antonio Callaway. So I, I don't I don't hate the idea of signing Des Bryant for that team, but I'm not sure that he's the perfect locker room fit for a team that's trying to sort of flip things around
1: well they're trying to win games they've won one game the last two seasons (laughs) a successful season in Cleveland as pathetic as this sounds is five wins yeah at that point, well, point six for the over
0: they're
1: they're, they're just trying to take a step forward so that they can compete in 2019 and be called a playoff team in 2020 that's their that's what they're that's their outlook. That's what they're hoping for. They're not trying to make the playoffs now. But if they go into the season, uh, th- this is under the radar. This was a guy that was probably, uh, maybe a candidate to get cut, but no Ricardo Lewis this year. It's a guy who at least has a little bit of NFL experience. He's not going to play this year. And if Josh Gordon's not going to play this year, what's the receiving core? Mm. What does that look like? It's Landry. It's Coleman. It's Antonio Callaway. Are you really going to put him on the field with a with? With uh, with big stakes on the line when you're trying to win games, that looks like a receiving core that's like, not going to help you. It's and like a, so, it's like a
0: bad version of the Dolphins from last year. <laughs> it is. It's 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 still better than what the
1: Browns had last year, though. I have to admit that just by Jarvis being there, adding Des Bryant would help them. Win games, which is every Cowboys fan that heard that sentence is going,
0: no, it wouldn't. There's no way that that's going to happen.
1: Well, it would in Cleveland. Uh, It It might not in Dallas, but it would in Cleveland.
0: It might in Dallas too. I'm not just, just saying. Yeah.
1: The receiving core has a lot of work to do too.
0: Um, elsewhere in wide receiver news and we've covered these topics extensively throughout this week, and it's not like there's nothing else going on, but it's crazy how different turns keep taking. Like, the Gordon stuff has taken turns each of the last three days. Uh, well, the Julio Jones saga took another turn on Wednesday, when, and I... I Look, so the, the Falcons are now, the Falcons came out and more or less publicly through Jeff Schultz of The Athletic and I believe uh, Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal Constitution said, you know, they both reported that the Falcons were not going to give Julio Jones a contract extension. Well, when those guys report that, it means that they're being told that by the Falcons organization and the guys in that organization. So then the Falcons come out on Wednesday and they give new contracts to Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, the coach and GM who each had two years left on their deal. I don't begrudge those contracts at all. Dave, I think they're smart to give them extensions because Dimitrov who was close to getting fired has helped turn things around. Um, and I think Dan Quinn and has helped Thomas Dimitrov turn around with his personnel experience and the way that he's picked the players and the way that he's coached his team up, particularly in, in, in finding defensive players and then bringing in offensive smart offensive minds. But the optics of this are sort of bad. If you're Julio Jones, right?
1: Yeah. It's basically saying we're willing to spend money on people who deserve it and are in need of a new contract. Mm -hmm. Julio's got three years left on his current deal. We got time. That's what they're telling them. Yeah. They're, they're telling him, listen, you're going to get yours. You just, you sign this contract to come and play football for us. It lasts three more seasons. Come this year, play your best, and then we can talk next year when we're getting closer to that contract expiring. Make no mistake, the Falcons don't want to let Julio Jones go. He he, he can't, um, unless he's just an absolute nuisance, to to the point where he's just talking trash and, is b- bad for the locker room and bad for the team which is just not in julio's nature right they want him there they know what they've got in him they've invested so much in him including the money that he's set to make this year I, so that's yeah. i think that's the message that they sent and at the same time will i i don't blame julio for trying i don't blame him for trying this is the nfl you want to get as much money as you possibly can in your nfl career I would if I played in the NFL, and, and, and Julio you, is trying to do that too. And, and he just he needs to realize that it's not going to happen, and that's when he needs to show up for training camp.
0: Yeah, and if you're Julio Jones and you're looking at Sammy Watkins and Jarvis Landry getting more money than you, you can understandably be upset. It is worth noting too that I think Chris Mortensen pointed out that the Falcons have basically insinuated they will negotiate a new deal with Julio when there are two years left on his contract, which means he basically has to grind out this season and deal with it. And also, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, their salaries aren't part of the salary cap. So it, it, it might factor into your operating budget, from, uh, from an organizational standpoint, but it doesn't factor into your, your, you know, your on-field operational budget as far as constructing a roster and, and paying everybody. And they got dudes they got to pay. Grady Jarrett, Jake Matthews, uh, you know, I mean, look, Deion Jones is, all these guys are going to be coming up sooner than later. So they probably have a plan in place to do it and they just want Julio to play ball with them. Are, are you, how, where does Julio slot in for you on the top wide receivers? Is he? Um, I mean, five, six, seven, where, where do you put him?
1: He's in the top, top four for me in, in okay. fantasy football. I think he's right up there with Antonio Brown and not right up there, but close to Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham. Okay. He's behind those guys for me. And I think a, a shrewd fantasy owner won't reach form in round one unless they are just dead set on going receiver, receiver to start their draft. And they're picking toward the very end of round one, so you could call it round two if you really want to. And you take Julio Jones and somebody like A.J. Green or Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, with your first two picks. If you're lucky, your first two picks could be Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. Mm. That's a nice way to start a fantasy team. And, again, that's on the assumption that Julio eventually shows up and plays. I talked to Dan Quinn this offseason, and he told me that one of the things that he was looking forward to is Julio being healthy and back at training camp. And I know he's worked out with Matt Ryan during the offseason, but having him back in training camp, working in this offense for the second year in a row, I think that'll go a long way to helping Julio cut down on the mistakes he made last year. It's, it's tough for him to try and renegotiate a, a new deal when he had more drops than touchdowns.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, a guy who does not need a new deal, but who appears to be increasingly healthy, Andrew Luck. Um, one, once a, once a great, uh, value prospect in fantasy drafts in terms of where you could get him. I am going to operate under the assumption that Andrew Luck, by the time that most people are drafting, you know, in the meat of the preseason is going to be going probably too high for many people to draft him. If he looks good at training camp, the Colts say he's a full go, uh, there, he's going to be no restrictions at training camp. He's going to play in the preseason. Where do you stand on Andrew Luck you know, and the Colts as a whole? I mean, like, where do you stand on Luck uh, heading into 2018?
1: Well, he's going to be on a throwing schedule, so he won't practice every single day. And I think that's just the Colts being smart with him and continuing this process that they've really had with him for the better part of the last eight, nine months, which is just easing him into uh, his workload. And remember when he wasn't even throwing a football? Now he's yeah. throwing a football and he's pads like on very and a helmet football. on and and the whole nine yards. So he it looks like the comeback is almost complete. It's like, you know, when a player says, Yeah, I'm I'm ninety percent. I'm feeling ninety percent. <laughs> Andrew Luck is like ninety percent right now. Yeah. So we're just waiting for that other ten percent to kick in. And I think once the fantasy universe sees him on a pre on the field in a preseason game and he doesn't look like a total idiot. He'll be right back in fantasy's good graces, and I could see him going round five, round six at that wow. point. If you're drafting before then, though, if you're drafting, let's say you're drafting this weekend. Sure. I think you can still get him at a, at a pretty decent value around uh 90th overall, round eight, round nine, somewhere in that range. And I think that that's great. And the other nice thing about Andrew Luck this year is let's just say you draft him. Let's even say he looks good in the preseason. And then weeks one, two, three, you start him. And his arm is like a spaghetti noodle. Okay. He's just not the same. This is a great year for quarterbacks in yes. fantasy football. You're going to be able to go to your waiver wire and find another guy that you'll feel more comfortable starting than the suggested noodle armed Andrew Luck. <laughs> I don't know if that's what we're going to get. I'm hoping we get Colt strong Andrew Luck and he's back to firing 35 plus touchdowns a year.
0: Yeah. If I'm, if I'm drafting this weekend or in the next seven days before we really see Andrew Luck on the field, and I get a chance to take him at, like, ninth round or tenth round, um, or even maybe eighth, eighth or ninth round, I would go with Andrew Luck, and then I'm swooping back in a round or two later, and I'm grabbing Matt Ryan, who I think has a high floor and a higher ceiling than people are giving him credit for in a bounce back year, assuming Julio, of course, is there. Um, but, but I think there's a combo you can build in there to save yourself in the event that Andrew Luck... Um isn't great. I, I I think he's gonna have a uh, a nice year though. Tom Brady probably gonna have a nice year. <laughs> assume, probably probably. Um that was just a poor segue into pointing out that Bill Belichick on Wednesday opened up Patriots training camp and was asked a bunch of questions about Malcolm Butler. Let's listen to the audio of Bill Belichick. I wouldn't be doing my job
1: if I didn't ask about last year.
2: Yeah, and, last year's last year. I'm not focused on last year. Yeah.
1: What about the fact that everywhere we go, folks want to ask about Malcolm Butler? I mean, sports coaches, players, university, you're a sports fan. We've talked
2: about that. That's multiple months ago.
1: Is there going to be any more explanation about why he didn't play?
2: Focused on training camp.
1: Would you do it any differently?
2: Training camp? Well, we're we're getting started. We're working on that right now. We'll do it the best we can.
1: And does it matter to you? Do you care that
2: the fans want to know more about this? I'm focused on doing the best that I can for the 2018 New England Patriots. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I've always done in the past. Every day that I've coached here, I've done the best that I could for this football team, and I'll continue to do that. And right now my focus is on the 2018 season, not 2017, not 2014, not 2007, not 2004, not 2001, not 2000 not focused on any of those seasons. They're done. And for this, season, for this season's
1: team, is it important for you to address the Malcolm Buckel thing with your team?
2: It's important for me to have a good season in 2018. I'm going to do everything I can to do that, do the best that I can for our football team. That's my job, and that's my responsibility. That's what I'm going to try to do. Hopefully you can respect that, but maybe not.
0: See, Dave, to me, I like what Bill Belichick does when he does those – insulting, grumpy um, responses to media members asking questions like that. And I actually don't mind the concept. I think it gets undersold a little bit. It's not like Bill Belichick is trying not to answer questions about Malcolm Butler. But in reality, you do have to turn the page in order to get ready for the next season.
1: You want him to provide context and clarity to things that matter in the moment. And sometimes he won't do that, especially after a, have you ever seen his, you've seen his press conferences after a Patriots loss. Yeah. He's not exactly forthcoming. Uh, and he's practically never forthcoming unless you're asking him about like his memories coaching at the Meadowlands or, or lacrosse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> there, there are things that he will wax poetic on, but benching a cornerback before the Super Bowl that's already been played and is old news and doesn't matter. Yeah. He's, he's going to give you the, the stone wall and, and I kind of like it. I'm amused by it. I wish he was a little more, I wish he was funnier about it. I talked to a former Patriots player about Belichick. This is a long time ago. And I asked him, is he like that in, in, uh in, in, you know, behind the scenes when he's coaching. And the player said, he's exactly like that, except he curses a lot more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it's it's like, to me, it's, I get how it's not funny when you're talking to people who are also doing their jobs and don't work for you. Um, Like, I like the part at the end where, he, and I, I was joking about this on Twitter. I think it would be hilarious. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Will Brinson. You can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Richard. A fantastic follow. Only if you want
1: to win your fantasy. League.
0: Only if you want to win your fantasy league. If you follow Dave on Twitter, he guarantees you you will win your fantasy league. Um, sure. Why not? You can have your money back for this podcast if you don't. Um, the, the the like can you imagine talking to your wife like Bill Belichick does she's like she's like go are you going to mow the lawn today you're like listen i don't want to talk about uh what happened in 2017 I, I'm trying to make the house better today. Okay. I'm going to do what I'm going to do my job to make the house better today. I don't want to talk about 2017 or 2015 or, or 20, 2009, 2007. None of that. She's like, what are you talking about? You're like, I just want you, I'm just going to do my job and I hope you can respect that.
1: The the lawn is part of the home maintenance and I intend to maintain the home as long as I live here. (laughs) And at some point the lawn will be mowed. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't even know if he would say that last part. I don't know if he that's why I was like pausing there for a second. I don't know if he would even admit to mowing the lawn eventually. I don't think he don't might think just he would. say lawn care is an important part of home maintenance. And <laughs>
0: we're on the fertilizer and we're on,
1: we're on to the weekend. <laughs>
0: that's right. What do you uh I think everybody's good. Tom, everybody thinks Tom Brady would be good. We're not worried about Tom Brady. Um, you know, Julian Edelman suspended. So he's dr- dropped a little bit. What do you think about Sony Michelle? Because I feel like in, I do all of these mocks with you, with the fantasy crews. I'm the guy who shows up late in case people haven't gotten that joke on Twitter. Um What do you <laughs> think about uh, Sony Michel and how much of a role he can play in that Patriots offense?
1: Well, how much of a role could he play? Well, he could be outstanding there. And I think he clearly showed the Patriots something if they spent a first round pick on him. Been a long time since they spent a first round pick on a running back. And Michelle strikes Maroney, me. Lawrence right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 03? Is, that, Is 03? that when Maroney was drafted? I think you can look, a, it, up look it up if up you really but you care, talk, but yeah. I, you shouldn't because Lawrence wasn't very good. He, he, he could not sustain in the NFL. I think 06, Sony can.
0: 06. Lawrence Maroney, oh, 33 I'm years old, old now. He'd yeah, old
1: that just tells me how absolutely ridiculously old I am. Mm-hmm. Sony Michelle I, I think he comes to the NFL with very good pass protection skills. I think he's more versatile than his stats would suggest at Georgia. I wish he was a little bit of a thicker running back than what he is. But clearly, 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 there's something about him that the Patriots love. And my guess is that he's a a big play waiting to happen. Very explosive player, faster than he was timed at the Combine. And half of his touchdowns were from 20-plus yards, something like that at Georgia I I believe that they will eventually work him into a very nice role that fantasy owners can rely on mm. in, from a Patriots backfield in 2018. So long as he holds on to the football, but and you knew there was a but coming. I think it's going to take some time. So the, the investment in Sony Michelle, he's going to be in that round six area. That's when someone's going to take him and they might go and they get might get Rex Burkhead right after that in round seven. And it's not a bad idea to get both of those guys and say, okay, that's my number two fantasy running back. But if you draft Sony Michelle, you must be patient. You cannot do with him what you did with Alvin Kamara last year, yeah. and that is taking Alvin Kamara late, thinking, all right, I got this guy. He's explosive. He can catch a lot of passes. He's in a great offensive spot, a lot like Sony Michelle. but after the first few weeks of the season, he's not giving you anything, and you go, you know, I, I need help at another spot. Or ooh, look at this running, this this interesting running back in Arizona. I'm going to go get him and cut Alvin Kamara. You lost your fantasy team if you cut Alvin Kamara. And I heard so many horror stories about that last year. I don't want people to do that with Sony Michelle. If you draft Sony Michelle, make the commitment, minimum six weeks. Keep him on your team for six weeks. After that, you want to let him off the hook, you go ahead. But I think it's going to take him that long to fully adjust. To being a regular contributor in New England,
0: Mm. I I think you're right, and I think I think if you commit a six round pick to Sony Michelle, you need to be prepared to go ten weeks. You know, barring your team being like two and eight, you you know what I mean. Like you, you need to ride it out if if you think you're gonna if you think it's worth the investment. That's a very good point. I don't think people think like that uh, all the time, Dave. In terms, never,
1: no. In fantasy football, people want the immediate gratification. Yeah, and when when the player that they they were targeting with a late round pick doesn't pan out in the first couple of weeks they're punting him like yesterday's newspaper
0: do you punt newspapers
1: no i'm not drunk <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right uh let's talk about f- oh wait i have a uh i have a question for you very quickly from eric grosskopf who emailed me and he listens to the pick six podcast likes beer Surly Brewing recommended Surly Brewing in Minnesota, Minneapolis. Uh, the Furious, their IPA, it is a fantastic beer. I've had it before. He has a keeper issue. Um, he is a, has a loaded team and a half point or a half point PPR. And I have narrated He like his keeper potential: Russell Wilson, Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Devontae Adams. For me, I, I yeah, I know right. I narrowed it down to, and I think you would agree with this: Hopkins, Thomas. Kamara and Hunt. Now, one thing to do with his his, uh, his team, you only play one running back, two wide receivers, and then you can put a, a second running back in flex.
1: Okay, so what are we looking for here? Are we looking for the four players or few? Uh,
0: two players, sorry.
1: I think I'd go the way of the running backs. I, wow. I think Hunt and Kamara, and, and the idea being that you could keep them both for a long time. Remember, both these guys are just entering their second season. True. Both of these guys had Unbelievable rushing averages, by the way. You know that Alvin Kamara had a bunch of long runs. He averaged 6.1 yards per run. Kareem Hunt, you might not realize this, averaged 4.9 yards per run. I don't know if both of these guys can do that again. I don't think they could, I think they could kind of sort of come close, but I think what they lose in that efficiency, they make up for in workload. And I, th- I think Kareem Hunt gets more touchdowns this year than he did last year. I love his situation in Kansas City. And I think Alvin Kamara has a chance to start the season with Mark Ingram uh, benched or suspended, forget about bench, suspended for the first four games and five of the first six games for New Orleans. I, I, I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a chance to get out to a huge head start and get a, a bigger workload than we ever saw him get last year. He maxed out at, I think it was 19 touches per game. He could get over that in the first four weeks of the season.
0: Wow. I like it. And look, you could make a case for a lot of different routes. I think the ultimate way that you would answer this, and I I, I tend to lean to go wide receivers, um, but if it is a situation, like you're taking the two best players, I mean, are you drafting DeAndre Hopkins before Kareem Hunt? Are you drafting... Um, you know Michael Thomas before Alvin Kamara, probably not, right? Like you're taking Kamara and Hunt in a re- in a regular redraft in a half point PPR, you're taking one of those stud running backs in the first round and hoping to land the wide receiver in the second round. So you lock in the the running backs who catch a lot of passes. Green Hunt only had five seasons in a regular fantasy or five weeks in a regular fantasy season from weeks one through sixteen below double digits, which is, you know. If you're getting that from your running back, you're you're in pretty good shape. All right, let's talk about guys that we want to plant our flag on. Um, five guys that you are really high on, or maybe higher on that, that people aren't that you find yourself as you do these mock drafts, as you do these projections, as you do these prognostications, five you know, some guys that you're find yourself gravitating towards.
1: I'm gonna give you six, but I'm not really sure. gonna talk about one of them because I think it's too obvious, and that's Deshaun Watson. Okay. I, I, we're, we are we are living in a world Where everybody's waiting on quarterback He might be the one guy I won't wait too long on wow. If I can get him in round five Which might sound crazy to some people But really you gotta wait to pull the trigger On a quarterback this year There's just so many of them If I can get him at a fair value I'll do it Because I think he's got potential To win my league And be the number one fantasy quarterback We saw it last year I don't think anything's changing for him this year And he's not on the pup list so he's going to be ready to go when training camp practice start, um, today for the Texans. Wow. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is another quarterback that wow. I really like a lot. I, I think that just putting a big arm quarterback in Andy Reid's offense is, is going to mean good things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for Kareem Hunt either because he catches passes out of the backfield and the threat of the pass and it's the threat of the, the pass combined with the speed of the receivers in Kansas City makes Kareem Hunt even more appealing to me because he'll never see stack boxes. I think Mahomes can get close to 30 touchdowns this year. I think the yardage could be way better than anybody expects. Ronald Jones is one of my favorite rookie running backs, not named Saquon Barkley, and I think his road to getting a lot of work in Tampa Bay is very easy. His competition is not that good. The offensive line was improved in Tampa Bay. The defense was improved in Tampa Bay, which means fewer games where Jameis Winston has to shoulder the load. And that's certainly going to be the case in the first three weeks when Jameis isn't there. And then a a couple of three tight ends, because I think people are always Mm. looking for tight ends. I think Evan Ingram's for real. And I know that he got good numbers last year without Odell Beckham there, without Saquon Barkley in New York. I don't care. I think he's their number two wide receiver dressed up as a tight end. I think he's headed for over 100 targets. I think he's one of a handful of tight ends that can get you 70 or 80 yards, which is good for a tight end in this day and age and I think he can score eight touchdowns this year. So I think Evan Ingram is 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 worth taking. I think Trey Burton is worth buying into in Chicago. I know the early reports on Mitchell Trubisky and Bears camp haven't been amazing, but I think the role that Trey Burton will have there, it's kind of similar to the role that Travis Kelsey has in Kansas City. His offensive coordinator, Kelsey's offensive coordinator, past couple of years has been Matt Nagy. Who's the head coach in Chicago now? Mm -hmm. It's Matt Nagy. So I think Trey Burton... Is going to head toward that role. And I think George Kittle is my favorite sleeper tight end of of the summer. I think that he just has he, – he can get yards after the catch. He's big. He's burly. He reminds me a little bit of Rob Gronkowski. And that's a good thing when Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the understudy to Tom Brady in New England, is his quarterback.
0: I like that list. Evan Ingram – is a guy if you were trying. I think if you were willing to wait on Gronk, Kelsey, and Zach Ertz, Evan Ingram, Trey Burton, um, Greg Olson are guys that you're going to gravitate towards if you want to land a, a a tight end with value who is not a total flyer. Uh, and then the guy I let you know the guy I like to pair them with is David and Joku out of out of uh out of out of Cleveland. I just I th- I think Njoku has breakout potential. I don't know if it'll happen. He's not on my list. My five guys I'm gonna run through really quickly. Matt Ryan. He, used the, he led all quarterbacks in fantasy points two years ago, and he adjusts better in his second year with offensive coordinators. I think you'll see a motivated Julio Jones showing up. Uh, the addition of Calvin Ridley helps. Steve Sarkeesian and Ryan will be on a better uh, frame. He'll have a touchdown regression up a little bit, and I think Matt Ryan will give you value uh, in in terms of of being a quarterback. You can get very late. I'm I'm waiting on my quarterbacks. I'm actually down on Watson and Garoppolo. Um, Derek Henry. I know that. uh I know that everybody's buying on Dion Lewis. I'm in on Derrick Henry. He looks like a stud. He's gonna be a feature back. They're gonna pound him in Tennessee. And I'm buying Derrick Henry even as his stock, in fact, I'm buying more of Derrick Henry as his stock falls. Good luck getting him if you're in a league with me. You're not getting Darius Geis if you're in a league with me because I'm taking all the Darius Geis stock. I think he is a sleeper, Dave, to, uh, like at 30 to 1 maybe or 25 to 1 to lead the league in rushing. Uh, and in PPR leagues, I am all over my boy, Naheem Hines in Indianapolis. He You can get him real late in fantasy drafts, and I think he will catch 45-plus balls this season. And finally, uh, Sammy Watkins, who has a ton of talent, is going to a place where Andy Reid knows how to use him. They're going to get him involved in the screen game, and I think he can be an excellent addition to as a wide receiver three or a flex at a very low value.
1: I like a lot of those names. Um... And and I'm with you on Geis. I'm starting to really warm up to him. You think about what that offense is and what the offensive line looks like. At first, you get nervous about Chris Thompson because Thompson's back. I believe he also avoided the pup list, and he's going to take care of those third downs and the two-minute drill. And there's a lot of fantasy points that happened in the last two minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter of football games. You'd like Geis to get those numbers. Maybe he will. If he plays like he did at LSU – I don't know if Washington's got much of a choice but to give him a lot of work. I've been seeing him go round four lately, Will. And I just – I wonder that if he has a big preseason – He's going to
0: go in the third round. No question. He
1: could end up being one of those third-round running backs. Like he might jump over guys like Kenyon Drake. Oh, yeah. And – Alex Collins. Jarek McKinnon. I like Collins a lot. I should probably have mentioned him too. I think he could – I think he could finish as a top ten running back.
0: No, no, no. I I like Collins a lot too. He runs like a – Sort of smaller Marshawn Lynch in terms of just violent and so does Darius Geis, actually. He's got
1: great feet. Yeah. You know, everybody makes a big deal about that Irish dancing that Alex Collins does. It's paid off for him. Yeah. It really has. And he can catch the ball better than you think he can. And the Ravens, I I've I was a huge Kenneth Dixon fan when he came out. I don't know if he's the same guy now that he's had all these knee injuries. I I feel like Alex Collins is in a real good spot with the Ravens.
0: I, I agree. And they have a they have a better offensive line than people think. You can also like I mean, if you, if you're in a position where you go wide, like you talked about with Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, or even Julio Jones, AJ Green, mm-hmm. Odell Beckham. I know where you're going. You yep. can, you can go wide receiver, wide receiver early and then come back and go Alex Collins, Darius Geis, or Alex, you know I mean? Like there's some running backs in that four, three and four range that could end up being league winners if you don't, like you don't have to force yourself to take Um, who, who's going to the back of the first round now? Like, I mean, if you don't love Leonard Fournette, you don't have to take him
1: there. Fournette would be there. Saquon Barkley would be there in a non-PPR league. Alvin Kamara would be there. Melvin Gordon will be there. No, you don't have to do it, but it's hard to pass. It's so hard to pass on a running back that's got 20 touch potential week in and week out, works the goal line, gonna play on a, on a, catches passes regularly. You you don't want to miss out on those guys.
0: I'm with you. All right, Dave, we teased it earlier in the show. We're going to do it really quickly. Your phone is ringing. I am Dallas general manager Jerry Jones or am okay. I? <laughs> okay. <You're>... Is <laughs> that what you want to be? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'll be, uh, I'm Dallas, I'm Dallas, uh, I'm Dallas owner Jerry Jones. Uh, 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 Johnny, Johnny, this is Jerry. How you doing, man? Uh, and, and I'm John, John Schneider Snyder. in Seattle. Yeah.
1: Am I running around with a championship belt and no shirt on? Because oh, that, that, that know, would be ugly.
0: He once thought that I wrote that about him, and I didn't.
1: Jerry, I've got this safety who wants to play for you, and I don't want to pay him. If you want to pay him, I'd be happy to take a draft pick in exchange.
0: You know I love paying guys, John. I love it. I love giving people money. Money is the best thing in the whole world next to championship rings. Haven't seen a lot in a while. Uh The problem I got is – my son will not let me trade away any high draft picks anymore. He says that I tried to burn one on Johnny Manziel one time. And also that, you know, like I like to give away second round picks. I can give you a fourth for Earl Thomas. How about that?
1: No, nah, that's not going to work for me. I think he's worth more than that. I think he's got several great years left and your secondary needs him. I was thinking second round pick. I think that that's going to help solidify your secondary, maybe even bring a little taste of that legion of boom down to Dallas. You need a center fielder like this. All it's going to cost you is a second round pick. And with him, maybe you're a playoff contender. It'll be a late second round pick.
0: Yeah. I, I, I feel you, Johnny, I feel you greasing me up, man. I like it. I like it. I like grease pig and all that. Uh, woo, wee pig. Yeah. Um, listen, here's the deal. I, he went to Texas. I, I love the state of Texas, but I'm an Arkansas man. I cannot give you a second round pick for him. I can, however, uh, I'll throw in, you need some pass rushers. I'll throw in Coney Ely, a former second round pick, and I'll give you a third round pick. How's it sound?
1: Uh, that's a deal. Right. I would take Kona, assuming he passes our physical and the third round pick. Yeah. And in reality, just so you know, I was looking for a third round pick and something else, but that's not the team that I think Earl Thomas could oh. fit it perfectly on.
0: Oh, so I should have been Seattle. You could have been somebody else.
1: I could be the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Wow. Now and, that would be spicy. And
1: how about that as a fit with reunited with Dan Quinn mm-hmm. to put that team over the top, and, you know, Atlanta just drafted a wide receiver in Calvin Ridley. What would Seattle give with Earl Thomas for Whoa. a disgruntled Julio Jones?
0: Well, I should have let you be. I should have been John Schneider then. Um, and let I would be, want Earl
1: Thomas in a first round pick
0: for wait for Julio, Julio Jones? Jones. Holy bleep. You almost made me swear on my podcast. You. So, wow. Earl Thomas and a first round pick from the Seahawks to the Falcons for Julio Jones. That would be that's spicy, Dave. I would like you it.
1: pull the trigger on a John Schneider
0: Brinson? John, I think John John Schneider would pull the trigger on a heartbeat. I don't think Atlanta would do that.
1: I think it would get Atlanta out of a real frustrating situation with Julio Jones. Now they're not on the hook to pay him. Mm. They, they have to pay Earl Thomas. I don't think that'll cost as much. And now they've got two first-round picks next year. Do they have a problem at wide receiver? You bet your butt they would without (laughs) Julio Jones on the field. It's a huge problem. But they've got a lot of talent on that team otherwise where they could probably still get to 10 wins without Julio and with Earl Thomas. And by the way, if Des Bryant is still a free agent, he hasn't signed with Cleveland yet, Mm. I can ring up his phone and now I've got Des Bryant and Calvin Ridley catching passes that from is Matt a Ryan.
0: that is a spicy i might see i'm going to make that our headline dave when i would have to write up a story about this podcast uh that'd be here's a trade that could get earl thomas to an nfc contender that's not is Dallas. this not what
1: we do on gchat yeah is this, this is not this, what, yeah, we right. this is what we do i'm so glad that
0: we did this on the podcast and i guarantee you that everybody listening
1: is going to have opinion one way or the other I agree. who got the better end of our mock trade is it will who got julio jones in seattle or is it me who got Earl Thomas in a first-round pick in Atlanta? It's a, I want to. Yeah. I want to know what you guys think yeah. at Dave Richard on Twitter, at Will Brinson on Twitter, at Pick Six Pod on Twitter. Look at you! I, I want to hear from you guys. Let I want to know. It, I want to know who won the trade.
0: Let us know who won the trade. Make sure and subscribe, rate and review. Make sure and subscribe also to Fantasy Football Today. It is the best analysis of fantasy football you will get anywhere in the world, and it's free on iTunes or your various podcast platforms. Dave's on there every day, basically, with Adam Azer and Jamie Eisenberg and Heath Cummings, Chris Towers. Check it out. Uh, Dave, thanks, buddy.
1: My pleasure. I'll pick six anytime.